This is The Rant presented by Strive Sports. Benjamin Klein here with you on this Monday, May 10th afternoon, here to provide you with my rant on all New York sports outcomes from this past weekend. Had big wins from the Knicks, Nets, uh, the Nets ending the four-game losing streak, the Knicks going 1-1 one and one over the weekend, uh, ending their little skid yesterday against the Clippers on the road. The Mets also swept the Diamondbacks over the weekend, and the Yankees win a big series against the Washington Nationals. But before I get to my rant for today, just wanted to remind you guys that you could stream this podcast and all the other Strive Sports podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You could access them via the link tree in my Instagram bio at the Strive Sports. Also, follow the Strive Sports on TikTok for uh, daily gambling advice and uh, to help you out on No House Advantage picks, uh, similar to what I do on Riding the BK Train, uh, but a little bit different. So give us a follow on TikTok as well. Looking for more fan interaction. Uh, want, want to hear your guys' comments on my videos, on my opinions. Uh, want to, you know, it's all about discussing stuff with the fans. That's that's what I love the most. I uh, would love some new suggestions as to how I could improve the show or all the shows, uh, you know, maybe creating a, a live pod where I take phone calls and, and talk to people and answer questions. I don't know, but, uh, with, I just want to hear from you guys more. You're the reason that I do this. Uh, you know, as I say, every time, uh, I, I started doing this because I realized how much I love talking about sports, uh, just with my friends, uh, debating or agreeing on, uh, what we're talking about. What, either way, I love talking about sports. So would love to get fans on here, uh, to discuss it, to discuss, uh, my opinions further, but to get to the topic at hand today, uh, I'm going to start by talking about the New York Knicks and their weekend. So on Friday evening, they lost to the Phoenix Suns by a score of 128 to 105. Um, this was definitely a disappointing L considering uh, the Knicks won the first quarter and the second quarter. Um, you know, when you're when you're up basically seven points at halftime, uh, it's you know you you have you should have the confidence to to pull it out the rest of the way. But uh, similar struggles to earlier on in the season uh, in the second half, they they go uh, they lose the third quarter by nine points. Uh, that you know that makes them have a two point deficit going into the fourth, and then they just get absolutely obliterated in the fourth. Did the New York Knicks? They lost the fourth quarter by a total of twenty one points. So that is a huge turnaround for the Suns in the second half. Uh, you know, obviously, I think that the Suns are a better team than the Knicks. Uh, you know, names wise, you know, really other than. Uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, not they don't they may not even have the better names than the Knicks other than those two guys, uh, but they are a cohesive unit. They work as a team, uh, just like the Knicks. They defend very well and they have uh, versatile defenders. Uh, McCall Bridges, if you listen to riding the BK train, definitely one of my favorite player, favorite young players in the league to watch. You know, not maybe not skill wise, but he takes advantage of every opportunity he's given. Uh, he's shooting like 45 and a half percent for the field. I think he's shooting over 50 percent 
I mean, over 45%, I mean, around 45% from three, over 50% from the field overall. So he's having an amazing year. And then uh, at the end of the day, couldn't really do much uh, about DeAndre Aiden. He absolutely obliterated us. Uh, 26 points, 15 rebounds. Another game in which the Knicks get out rebounded. Uh, that's unfortunate. I'll get to the game on Sunday where we made up for it, but, uh, you know, they're a good team. They're a good young team. They played, they've proven it throughout the whole regular season that they are a top two team in the league. Yes. The jazz are one and the Suns are two. It's not even the Sixers at two. If you're going by record wise, uh, they do have a little bit of a lack of, uh, lack of experience in terms of, uh, this time of the season being relevant. Uh, you know, last year they were, they were in the bubble. They did go like undefeated or they lost one game. Uh, obviously Devin Booker had that game winner over Paul George in the bubble as well. Uh, so, you know, they, they definitely have clutch gene guys in Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh, and that go went to show in, in this game on Friday night. Uh, you know, the Knicks are, they're surprisingly right now fourth in the NBA in three point percentage, uh, shooting 39%. From three for the season. Uh, unfortunately, they went 34.5% in this game, while the Suns went 44%. Basically, there's the real difference in the game. You know, in, the, in that game against the Nuggets, the difference was the rebounding. They out rebounded us by like 20. Uh, this game, it seems like the difference was the three point shooting. Uh, they were more efficient with their three point shooting. I mean, Jay Crowder went 6 of 12 from three. Couldn't hit a damn thing last night, I'll tell you that for sure. But for some reason, against the Knicks, you went 6 of, six of 12, 50%. Oh, by the way, also to just go off about how unlucky the Knicks are. Obviously, LeBron has to come back against the Knicks on Tuesday, right? Uh, couldn't wait, you know, couldn't come back the game before. Couldn't wait another day. I don't know. Had to come back against the Knicks. That's besides the point. Getting back to it, uh, you know, they even struggled. Even some guys struggled from three, but, you know, not everyone did. Uh, uh, Chris Paul, two of three. Uh, McCall Bridges, four of six. Killed us again. 16 points, five of ten from the field. Over 50% from three, 50% from the field. So uh, at the end of the day, this was a defensive blunder, mainly in that, mainly the fourth quarter, honestly, because, uh, you know, you could go down, a, you could lose a quarter by 11 points. Uh, you know, we were already winning at halftime by seven, though. Uh, so that's only, you know, a four point deficit going into the fourth quarter. And then we just completely imploded. Uh, couldn't really score other than Julius Randle. You look at the starting lineup, R.J. Barrett had a pretty inefficient night, 8-22. He had a pretty efficient from 3, 5-11, but overall inefficient from the floor. Also, just did no defense. I mean, you look at the off, you look at the starting five, uh, R.J. Barrett had the lowest mi plus minus and minus 15. Everyone else's plus minus was, uh, you know, above 20. So clearly shows that, that fourth quarter is what is what did it. I mean, obviously, the fourth quarter is what did this to them. But uh, Knicks definitely made up for that. I mean, after this game, they were fifteen and nineteen on the road. That gate that gets rid of the opportunity to finish the season at five hundred. But the Knicks do take one step closer uh, to getting to really just closer. Not that it's impossible to get it at this point since this last game against the Lakers is the last game, the last road game for the Knicks of the season before the playoffs, uh, you know, nothing you could do, you know, you lose a game against the Suns, second time you lose to them in a week and a half, uh, obviously just got beat down by the Nuggets beforehand, so 
that was kind of deflating back-to-back -back losses, but what's not deflating is what occurred yesterday afternoon in Los Angeles, a.k.a. the Knicks' home arena because it sounded like there were just as many Knicks fans there as there were Clippers fans. The Knicks take down the Los Angeles Clippers by a score of 106-100. to Great game all around. That is that that is Knicks basketball. What happened yesterday? You look at the top two players for the Clippers: Kawhi Leonard, nine of twenty-six from the field; Paul George, eight of twenty from the field, both shooting below fifty percent. That's exactly what you want to see. We held them to thirty-four percent shooting from three. That's pretty much what we did last game, except this game we we're shooting forty percent from three. Um, Additionally, we out-rebounded them this time around, so that goes to show, I think, that the Clippers may have issues uh, with that come playoff time. I mean, uh, you look at Zubac as their really only big man. Uh, like, I like Mar Marcus Morris a lot. He's shooting, like, 45% from three or something, and maybe even over 50% from the field, something along those lines. Maybe he's a little bit closer to where he his three-point percentage is, but point is that they're kind of a small team. Yes, Kawhi, Paul George, Morris, Zubac, they're all like 6'8", 6'9", and above. Obviously, Zubac, 7 feet. But, you know, sometimes it just does it's, – it's not enough. And you could see it against the, the with the Knicks against the, uh, against the Nuggets. It wasn't enough. Against the Suns with DeAndre Ayton, it wasn't enough. You know, and Nerlens Noel is a good player. I like him a lot on the defensive end. But I don't think that they necessarily utilize him in the Thibodeau system as a um, – rebounder mainly i think they use him as a rim protector and then uh you know how and he and he will box out and enable other people to grab rebounds and as you can see julius randall 14 rebounds yesterday i think that that proves my my point uh additionally nerland's noel not even the leading rebounder i think he might be like the third leading rebounder on the team i believe that nerland's i mean i believe that julius randall is the leading rebounder on the team uh, additionally, RJ Barrett had a good game, seven of 18 from the field, four of seven from three. He's getting himself closer and closer every single day to 40% shooting from three. I think that, uh, here the, the statisticians know how badly I want to see that 40% mark on the three point percentage for RJ Barrett. Cause I think it's at 39.9% right now. Yes, it's that close. He just needs one more good game and, and he will be there. He will be shooting 40% from three. For this season, his second year in the NBA, extremely impressive turnaround. Shot 32% from three last year. Now he's up to 40. That's 8% difference. Uh, that's really incredible. If you don't think that's incredible, then uh, I think that you're probably a hater. But, uh, you know, that, that's concerning for the Clippers looking at how the Knicks out-rebounded them and how they got absolutely pummeled on the rebounds by the by the Nuggets. That makes me worry about that matchup, honestly, especially because the Nuggets beat the Clippers last year in the playoffs, coming back from that 3-1 deficit, obviously. Obviously, the Nuggets also had Jamal Murray last year, but who knows? Michael Porter Jr., one year older, one year better, gaining confidence with Jamal Murray off the court. Obviously, Jokic, MVP caliber uh, player, probably will win MVP this year. So I... Really, really, I mean, I'm worried about the Clippers. Uh, you know, I don't know if they have the right mentality. It doesn't seem like, you know, they, they could be a top defensive team. They have all the names you need. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Patrick Beverly coming off the bench. Um, you know, Reggie Jackson, high-intensity high guy, Nicholas Batum, Rondo. So they really do have everything they need to be a, to be a terrific defensive team. But it doesn't really seem like they give it their all the way that the Knicks do every single night. I mean, the Knicks, 
you know, they have no right being in this game or even winning this game, and yet they do. Uh, it's because they play extremely hard every single day. Uh, you know, that's really impressive stuff to to be able to be coached like that by Tom Thibodeau, having the guys just in the in the right place at the right time. You know, versatile defenders that aren't that when you switch, you're not going to be screwed uh, by that switch. You'll still be able to guard guard the guy, and uh, most of the time they don't even switch. If you you battle around that screen, the guy who's guarding the screener hedges it. And then the uh, the guy who's guarding the ball gets around the screen and, and gets back to his man. Uh, that's hustle defense. That's something that you see don't see from a lot of teams. And as Kendrick Perkins said yesterday, uh, teams that are in the playoffs are not going to be happy to see the Knicks. Uh, you know, they're going to have to battle just as probably harder than against any other team, maybe uh, on the offensive end, because the Knicks are a top defensive team in this league. In fact, they are currently the I believe the fourth best defensive team rating wise in the league, uh, only behind the Utah Jazz, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Los Angeles Lakers. That's really impressive stuff. I mean, Max Kellerman is laughing at the thought that the Knicks could uh, threaten the Nets. Uh, I think that that's ridiculous, Max. Uh, I don't count you as a Knicks fan. Um, you know, any Knicks fan would, would at least have faith in, in their team, especially at this point. Uh, you know, even even if the Knicks suck, we'd have faith. So I don't really count you as a Knicks fan right now. We're playing some of the best basketball uh, we've seen from the Knicks in the past 20 years. Obviously, they have a chance. Otherwise, they would have lost to the Clippers last night. Clearly, they can play with these teams. It's not to say that the Knicks are going to go over the top and beat a team like this. But, you know, they definitely can do it. It's possible. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but... Crazier things have happened. The Knicks have made the finals as an eight seed. I mean, Max, you saw that happen yourself. You were alive for that. I didn't really get to experience that myself. But, you know, obviously the one seed in the Heat, not really equivalent to the Sixers or the Bucks this year or the Nets, obviously. But, you know, that happened. They made the finals as the eight seed. Yes, they didn't make it very far when it got to the finals. They, they got, what did they win? One game, I believe, or they got swept. Uh, so just don't count them out. You can't count any NBA playoff team out, especially if they're a top four seed. I mean, top four seeds are all really good. Yes, recently it's mostly been, uh, you know, the one seeds making it other than the years where the Cavs were like sitting LeBron, low managing LeBron, I guess, a couple times and they had to deal with injuries a little bit. Uh, and, you know, they made it as like the three or the four seed or whatever it was. Uh, other than those years, it's usually the one seed, but still don't count them out. I mean, uh, you saw what the Nuggets did last year. You saw what the Blazers did a couple years ago, surprising everyone making it to the conference finals, although they were a top three seed, I believe. Uh, you know, crazy things happen. So, uh, you know, in sports, that, and that's what's so great about sports, that crazy things can happen. The unpredictable can happen. So, uh, you know, you're watching guys like Reggie Bullock, you know, have career type of years. Reggie Bullock, 24 points, 5 of 12 from 3 yesterday. Uh, and they're also playing, you know, they, they played yesterday without Alec Burks and Emmanuel Quickly, two of the most important guys in the rotation. Uh, and then they have guys that could step up off the bench and still play well in Frank Nilekina. And we've seen improvement from Obi Toppin as the season has gone along. You know, he's shooting around 45% from the field, I believe. Obviously needs to shoot better from three. Uh, but he went one of two yesterday, taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to him. So uh, with the way the Knicks play defense and, uh, you know, the intensity they play with and, and their coach, who, you know, I think deserves to be coach of the year personally, um, 
it's got to be him or Monty Williams, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Steve Nash comes nowhere near uh, Tom Thibodeau in terms of coach of the year. Uh, it was gifted to Steve Nash, that team. Tom Thibodeau, you know, put in the work and, and got these guys to improve uh, himself and, and implemented his his culture and his defense into the team. And, and he's the reason for their success. While for the Nets, the, the reason for their success is the players on their team, not as much the coach. I mean, you, and last night we actually saw the most emotion out of Steve Nash that we've seen in a while trying to call that timeout. I don't know if you, if you, if any Nets fans or any Knicks fans were watching that or basketball fans overall, but uh, I think that we need to see a little more emotion out of Steve Nash, not as cool, comic collected, but really getting his guys into the moment. I mean, they got to start realizing, uh, yes, KD, Kyrie, they're all kind of like calm, cool guys. You know, they don't want to get too heated, but uh, I think that they, you need to realize the intensity of the moment sometimes. And Thibodeau is a great person uh, to make the play to make the players realize the inte- the importance of the intensity of the moment. Uh, so one last thing that I that I noticed while watching highlights of the game before I get over to the Nets. Uh, just going to shout out Chris Brickley. He's looking for a couple interns. Uh, the former player head of player development for the Knicks. He's looking for a couple interns. I would love to be able to work for him. So if anyone's listening to this, shout me out to him. I uh, would love to be able to get that opportunity with him. It would be amazing. But uh, I know that he's working worked with Julius Randle in the past. So Brickley, just wanted you to listen to this. Uh, I noticed last night uh, when Randall was finishing that game, you know, Mark Jackson was saying, oh, he wants to get to his left. He wants to get to his left. Uh, so he got to his left on, I forget who it was. It might have been Nick Batum to get that uh, pull-up jump shot in the corner, mid-range. Uh, it was kind of like a uh, double clutch type of thing. He hit that shot. And then the next possession or a couple possessions later, I know that Brickley loves talking about his uh, counter moves. You know, for one move, you got to, for every move that you have, that you practice, you got to practice a counter move also. So it looks like the same move, except you counter it. It's it, the, the defender thinks you're going to do the same thing, but then you quickly alter it, do something else, you know, a little step back instead of driving uh, to the left. So, you know, Randall that first time went into the corner, put up that shot hit it. Uh, same guy guarding him on, on the same side of the court. Mark Jackson still saying that he wants to get to his left hand. He does get to his left hand. He uses it, but instead of going, instead of continuing his dribble into the corner, he goes between the legs, stops, you know, stops, steps it back a little bit uh, to get to the, el- to the elbow of the free throw line and uh, puts up a jumper back-to-back uh, makes for Julius Randle. Uh, that goes to show the importance of uh, that first move and then needing to have a counter because if he didn't have a counter there, he would have done the same exact thing and it probably would have wound up in a turnover uh, or just a bad pass or a bad decision. Um, but because he had that counter, the defender thought he was going to try to do the same thing. He had that counter move to be able to step back uh, on him and hit that dagger. So just wanted to point that out for all of you real basketball aficionados who want to get better at your game. For every move that you practice, practice a counter move because uh, you know when 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 you make a move, when you do one move, uh, your defender is going to think that they're that you're doing it again when you make that similar uh, first step. And then next thing you know, it's the it's your counter move, and uh, now your defender needs to deal with two different moves, and uh, that along you know move. 
Julius Randle's move along with his counter moves. In addition to his smarts, the game just slowing down for him, as Kawhi said over the weekend uh, in his post-game press conference. The game has slowed down for Julius Randle. He's using his teammates. Those are two very important things, slowing down and using your teammates. I mean, the, the game does slow down for you when you are able to see your teammates like that, and it goes to show he's averaging six assists on the season. So uh, for all of you, who enjoy watch, who really enjoy dissecting the game of basketball. Just thought I'd point that out, the uh, primary move and the counter move. So uh, that's it for my for my rant on the Knicks. Uh, they go one for one on the weekend and their little two-game skid that they had uh, back at it tomorrow night against the Los Angeles Lakers on the road, and then we're finishing with three games at home, only four games left, and the Knicks are the four seed. Who the hell would have thought that would have happened? Uh, not me for sure, but... Can't, couldn't be happier at this point of the season with how the Knicks have played, uh, with all the decisions we've made, hiring Tom Thibodeau, uh, you know, trading for Derrick Rose, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to continue our relationship with Julius Randle into the future since uh, he is going into a contract year, I believe, based on what decision he makes. So very exciting times. Can't wait for the playoffs. Definitely catch me at, at a Knicks playoff game uh, when the playoffs officially start. Not sure when I'm going to buy my ticket, but I'm very excited for Knicks playoffs. Really can't wait for it. And uh, I'm going to continue my rant now talking about the Nets ending their four-game losing streak to the Denver Nuggets uh, by winning by a score of 125-119. to 119. Uh, In the second half, the Nets outscore the Nuggets by 15 points. So, you know, they struggled in the first half. Uh, they lose the first quarter by 13 points. Uh, and then they go into halftime down 15 points total. And then obviously that turnaround is what is what did everything. Um, changed the game. Uh, you know, Nets doing their thing offensively, you know, at least. Uh, you know, if they're not going to do it defensively, you, you got to at least do it offensively. So the Nets, 62% from the field. 51.5% from three. I mean, it's going to be almost impossible to stop them when they're doing that. But uh, when you're giving up, you know, 71 points in, in the first half, that's a little bit too much. I mean, I don't know if that's going to, if you're really going to last in the playoffs doing that. Like, yeah, maybe you'd be able to win, uh, come back and win one or two games. But winning a playoff series, giving up that many points, I honestly don't see it. Um, by the way, I, mis I was mistaken. The uh, Nets outscored the Nuggets by 13 in the fourth quarter, and it was not 15 total in the second half. It was 21 in the second half, so that is my mistake. Uh, the Nets outscored the, the Nuggets by 21 in the second half. But, I mean, you know, even though they played this well offensively, they actually did play decently defensively. Uh, Forty-five, They forced the Nuggets to shoot 45.7% from the field, 34% from three. That's pretty decent, I'd say. Uh, they additionally somehow out-rebounded the Nuggets. Um, they forced Jokic to only have seven total rebounds. I'm not exactly sure how they did that. Um, you know, Kevin Durant, 11 rebounds. Uh I'm not surprised by that, but I don't know how, you know, they were able to really deal with Jokic. I'm going to guess that it had a lot to do with uh, the combination of Blake Griffin, Claxton, and Jordan. Uh, it's nice, you know, although none of those guys are extremely, you know, above average on defense or rebounding, maybe Claxton could be, but we don't really know much about that much about him yet. Um, but, uh, 
you know, the fact that they have three different guys is huge. I mean, for the Knicks, uh, here's the difference between the Knicks and the Nets. Uh, you know, the Knicks are way better defensively, obviously, but uh, the Nets have more big men that they're able to play. Like, the Knicks are not going to play Norvell Pell. Uh, when Mitchell Robinson comes back, you know, they'll, it'll be equivalent. If not, the Knicks are even better at big men. But uh, right now, they're only able to play Taj Gibson and uh, Nerlens Noel. So, you know, the Nets have a little more depth in terms of the big man right now. Uh, you know, you get good games from from Durant, obviously, 9-14, 3-6 from 3, 33 points, 11 boards, 7 assists. Uh, Durant proving why he was the frontrunner for MVP when he was playing earlier on in the season. Then you have a big game from Blake Griffin, 20 points, 8-10, of 10, 4 of 6 from 3. That's impressive to see him hit four threes. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see what type of role he'll play for the Nets uh, come playoff time. And then, uh, you know, the role players, Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, I don't think that they're that they have been relevant enough uh, as of late. Obviously, Blake Griffin scoring twenty points, taking up a lot of the uh, a lot of the action for the role players. Uh, Joe Harris only eight points, three three of six shooting. This isn't to say that they're inefficient. Like Joe Harris three of six, Bruce Brown two of three. Uh, but they only score a combined 12 points. Uh, but Harris, five rebounds, five assists, uh, and three rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block for Bruce Brown. So uh, these guys are trying to impact the game any way that they can. Uh, the Nets move up to 19 and 16 on the road. Uh, as I say, the Nets need to secure this this home court advantage for uh, the you know at least the first couple rounds of the playoffs because they are clearly clearly a much better. Uh, Play, uh, much better team at home than on the road. Uh, and if I said just now that they need to uh, secure that for the first couple rounds, I meant for the later rounds for when they're going to have to potentially face, uh, yes, the Knicks, uh, the Bucks, and the Sixers. The Nets will benefit from having home court advantage. Right now they are currently sitting half a game ahead of the Bucks for the two seed, and there are three games behind the Sixers for the one seed. So pretty much lock it in that the Sixers are are the one seed this year. Uh, that makes me less confident in the Nets when it, when it comes down to it, as long as uh, that is the matchup when it, when it comes to the conference finals. Uh, you know, that would mean that if the Knicks win their first round playoff series and the Sixers do, I believe that the Sixers would meet the Knicks in the second round. So uh, not expecting to win that, but should be fun. But, uh, you know, after a couple nights after the Nuggets absolutely demolished the Knicks on the boards, uh, the Nets somehow find a way to stop Jokic and beat the Nuggets on the rebounds. I think that that is a very key fat, very key reason as to why they won this game, uh, you know. Even though the Nuggets were right there with poor shooting percentages, uh, it was the fact that the that the Nets were able to out rebound them. I think is what put them over the top uh, and able to finish it. But I mean, what worries me about the Nets down the stretch when you're talking about uh, the playoffs? You look at their defensive rating. I mean, they are bottom half in the league in their defensive rating. They're 23rd. When you look at the Knicks, when you look at the best teams in the league, you look at the top 10, uh, the Clippers, uh, the Grizzlies, the Heat, the Bucks, the Suns, the Knicks, the Jazz. I mean, these are all playoff teams. They're all in the top 10. And then you get the Nets, uh, really the only playoff team of that caliber uh, to be that low uh, on the defensive rating. I mean, the Hawks are down there also, but they're not on the same level. I mean, you also look at three-point shooting defense. Uh, 
when you talk about Brooklyn. They're 17th in the league, while the Knicks are the number one uh, three-point defensive team. You look at the top 10, Knicks, uh, Jazz, Lakers, Suns, Clippers, Sixers. I mean, it, it's all of the best teams in the league, and uh, unfortunately, the Nets are nowhere near the top. Uh, in fact, they are 17th in the league in terms of that. Uh, but then, when you even go when you go even further, uh, look at opponents' points off of turnovers. Uh, the Knicks are fifth in the league in that. Suns fourth, Mavericks third, Blazers first, and then you go to the Nets. They're fourteenth in the league. Um, you know, there are teams like the Lakers down here, the Jazz. Uh, so maybe this one's a little less concerning. But uh, the Nets let up a lot of points off of turnovers. Uh, additionally, they they give up a good amount of second chance points. Uh, they are 29th in the league in second chance points, so they give up the second most second chance points in the league. That's why I'm saying that uh, last night's outcome, beating the Nuggets, was impressive in that you know you get second chance points off of offensive rebounds. Uh, so the fact that the Nets were able to out out rebound the Nuggets, clearly a better rebounding team than the Nets, is extremely impressive. Uh, I think that's something that they're going to have to work on when it gets down to it because uh, they cannot be giving up the most second points. Uh, second chance points in you know they would be it would be the most given up second chance points in the play of any team in the playoffs uh, and that's not going to suit suit up well because you're not playing against wor you know worse uh, opponents in the playoffs worse talent you're playing up you're playing against the bet the best talent in the world in the playoffs and the and the challenge and the uh, and everyone's motor is elevated, so everyone's going to be playing that much harder. So yeah, I'm just really excited to see this playoffs come around. I'm worried about the Nets. I'll definitely tell you that. It's hard to be worried when they have James Harden, Kevin Durant, and uh, Kyrie Irving on their team. Again, we don't know if James Harden is going to play. We don't know if they're all going to be healthy. We don't know if Kyrie Irving even wants to play for the playoffs. He might be like, oh, we proved that we were the best team in the regular season, even though they didn't, and be like, oh, I'm not going to play. Who knows? But point is that I'm worried about the Nets, uh, which kind of makes me happy because I don't want them to win. But overall, their lack of defense, their uh, lack of rebounding, uh, and their you know kind of struggle on the road this season makes me worry about them. Uh, but makes it, a, it looks a little bit nicer, the fact that they ended a four-game skid against the Nuggets last night and out-rebounded them. But that's it for my rant on the Nets. Uh, hoping that the Knicks and the Nets both both see success through the end of the season into the playoffs. Very excited for both of them to be in the playoffs. Excited for NBA playoff basketball, honestly. Uh, you know, overall, haven't been able to experience the Knicks in there for eight years. So even more hype for that. Can't wait to get to the Garden for a playoff game. Uh, but that's it for my rant on Knicks and Nets. We're going to be moving on to talking about the Yankees. Going to start my baseball rant for today by talking about the Yankees and their series win over the Washington Nationals, winning uh, two games out of the three-game series. Uh, started off Friday night by losing the first game to the Nationals by a score of 11 to four. That made the Yankees fall to uh, 16 and 16, back to 500, nine and nine at home, and losing back-to-back -back games, two games in a row, uh, going from last series against Houston to. Uh, this series against the Washington Nationals. Uh, you know, if you're a Yankees fan and you saw that loss, we they imploded in the sixth inning, uh, giving up 
I mean, the eighth inning, giving up sixth run, six runs. Loizaga imploded as well uh, in a third of an innings pitched in that eighth inning, uh, four earned runs. Uh, and you know, blew open that that lead that we had, and uh, and that was all she wrote for that game on Friday. And if you were a Yankees fan seeing that game, uh, that probably would have been a little bit concerning, uh, considering we lost the game before against Houston and we were playing well. Maybe it was there was a little bit of worry about regressing uh, back to what we were before, uh, especially with the fact that all we did was score, you know, one run in the first, second, sixth and ninth and you know that was it, one run an inning and they were off of three home run, three solo home runs and then one single in the ninth inning. So LeMay you had a homer in the first, Sanchez had a homer in the second and LeMay you had a homer in the sixth. Uh, and that was it. Look, going back to what it was before with just hitting home runs, not even getting the guys on base, uh, you know, to get more runners in on the home runs. So it was a little bit concerning to see that on Friday. The hitting wasn't didn't really show up, and the bullpen didn't show up. I'll give the starting pitching credit though. Tyon, uh, six and a third, three earned runs, uh, five Ks, three hits. He gets the quality start right there, honestly. Three and three earned runs in over six innings pitch. So he gets a quality start. So can't really complain about the uh, the starting pitching. Uh, and then you know Will Peralta has a has a good. Uh, outing for himself, finishing that sixth inning uh, with two strikeouts. And then Luizaga comes in for that eighth inning and just completely blows it up. Four earned runs, uh, four hits, five runs in total. And then Sessa comes in for an inning and two-thirds. He also gives up two earned runs on three hits, uh, three runs total. So uh, the Yankees implode here. The only thing that I can't really put to blame is the starting pitching uh, they went one of three with runners scoring position, four runners left on base. So uh, we weren't getting, we weren't doing the job with getting runners on base in the first place. So it goes to show that the offense did not step up in this game. Uh, you know, while the Washington Nationals three for six, uh, so they had you know more opportunities, left more runners on base, and capitalized more on the opportunities. So uh, you know, easy win for the Washington Nationals. There, you rarely see uh, a time in baseball where a team is getting more runners on base. Uh, uh, has more runners in scoring opportunities with runners in scoring position and capitalizes with those opportunities and they don't win. So uh, the National took advantage of that. Poor performance uh, by the Yankees overall pretty much except for Tyon. Uh, but the, Yankee, the Yankees come back strong for the rest of the series. Uh, they win the next two games, both on walk-offs, winning Saturday, by his final score of four to three after a rain delay, winning an eleven, and then winning by a score of three to two yesterday uh, with a walk off in the ninth by Giancarlo. Um, you know, it was it actually looked a lot better the next couple of days. Although I'd like to see more opportunities, maybe maybe not even more opportunities, just more runs scored. Uh, they went four of six. With runners in scoring position on Saturday, they left eight runners on base. You know, although I would have liked to have seen them uh, maybe you know. Five for six, obviously that's a lot to ask for, five for seven, whatever it is. Uh, maybe leave a little bit less runners on base, uh, but at least it goes to show that they're getting the runners on base this time around, uh, and they're capitalizing, capitalizing more on their opportunities uh, you know, than the game before. So they today they hit like 666, you know, with runners in scoring position in this game, uh, really taking advantage of the opportunities given to them. 
Uh, and the best thing about about what happened in this game is that those those opportunities were that were taken advantage of were not home runs. That we had one home run in that game Saturday. Uh, Kyle Lagashioka homer to tie the game in the third inning, uh, and then Torres uh, again ties the game on a single in this in the ninth inning to force extras. Uh, and then the Nationals take a lead again in the top of the 10th. Uh, Yankees keep on battling back. Uh, you know, something that we haven't really seen throughout the rest of the se- this season so far, but that we have seen throughout the past four or five years of this Yankees, uh, this Yankees team of the core being uh, Stanton and Judge and LeMayu and Torres. Uh, so this is definitely something that we've seen in the past. Wasn't happening this year, though. The Yankees were not taking advantage of, of the fact that they're literally handed a runner on second base in extra innings. They seem to not have been able to, to drive in that runner, but thankfully Mike Ford was able to take advantage of that situation. He knocks the ball uh, through the shift, through the left side of the infield, uh, in between the second baseman and, and the shortstop, or in between second and third. I don't know which which guy's playing where with the shift, if you know what I mean. Um, and then Glaber Torres reaches on that infield single with the bases loaded to score the game-winning run uh, and finish it off. Obviously, wasn't the most uh, you know pleasing way to win on that infield single, but you, you got sometimes you just got to do what you got to do in order to win, and uh, that's exactly what the Yankees are figuring out right now. I feel like. Uh, you know, they win that game on, on an infield single. Uh, I feel like there were other times where they've been running out infield singles, realizing how the importance of, of getting on base, of running it out, not just hitting home runs, hit, getting extra base hits, watching the ball fly. Uh, so I think that the Yankees are really starting to play more, uh, not even Yankees baseball, just baseball. They weren't really playing uh, baseball to start the season, in my opinion. Uh, they were just going for home runs and and. and and the big bombs and uh, the thing that things that really make the fans go ooh and ah, but uh, Yankees fans don't necessarily care about that as much. The Yankees fans care about that adding, you know, adding another number uh, in the left column, getting that win. Um, so you know, definitely improvement in that game on Saturday. Four of six with runners in scoring position, uh, only one home run, and then the rest of the uh, the rest of the runs were scored via base hits. So that was very nice to see, and uh, the bullpen. Made a nice recovery uh, from one game to the next. Um, you know, they scored that. One of the runs was scored in extra innings. Obviously, that does not count as an earned run against for the pitcher. So, only two earned runs given up in the entire game. Chapman gives up a, an additional run uh, in that extra inning. It's not an earned run, though, so it doesn't affect his ERA. His ERA is still 0.00. Yes, indeed, it is. Uh, Kluber with a good outing. Very close to that. Uh, Quality start five and two thirds gives up two earned runs on six uh, six hits um, and six Ks, 101 pitches. Uh, then you go ahead and you look. At, it's nice to be able to see Boone have a little bit more faith and, and confidence in his starting pitching now than he did a, a little bit earlier on in the season. And I'll get back and I'll get into that uh, with the next game, the Sunday game. But nice to see. Uh, this is a game where you know I could actually say that I think all three facets of the game showed up. Uh, you know, maybe the hitting was the least that showed up the least, but starting pitching bullpen, uh, you know, the bullpen pitched five plus innings, uh, of relief. Uh, so bullpen showed up, starting pitching showed up and I'll give it to the, to the hitting in the, you know, although they could have been, you know, more runs scored four runs, obviously not a lot when you consider the Yankees historic pass and being the Bronx bombers, um, 
they still got the job done four of six uh, with the runners scoring position. So uh, overall, maybe one of the more well-rounded games uh, for the Yankees as a team this season. Uh, but then you go into the game on Sunday and uh, talking about the confidence that uh, Aaron Boone has in his starting pitching now, uh, that kind of went to, went on to hurt him a little bit. The Yankees uh, up 2-0 in the top of the seventh inning. He, uh, Boone decides to leave Herman in the game. Uh, he's pitching well at that up to that point. Uh, has his quality? He got a quality start no matter what. Six and a third, two earned runs, six Ks on only eighty pitches. His ERA is down to four oh two now. But the point is, is that he left him in the game. Uh, so he pitched his six innings. You know, got his quality start. For some reason, Boone wanted to leave him in the game, and he gave up a uh, two-run home run to Kyle Schwarber, which was the only runs of the game. Uh, shot up bullpen that the bullpen that went on to pitch after that. Michael King, an inning in the third, no obviously no runs by the bullpen at all. Michael King, an inning in the third, two hits, no runs. Peralta, uh, third of an inning, um, got the guy out. Chapman, an inning, uh, one hit, one strikeout, still 0.0 ERA uh, after the weekend series. So uh, it's just a questionable decision by Aaron Boone. I feel like he really does make a mistake most of the time on his decisions. Um, it's just questionable because earlier on in the week, he takes out Herman around, uh, you know, after five innings and around the same amount of pitches, does the same thing with Montgomery. I think that both were against the, in the series against the Astros. Maybe it was before that, but recently I've seen Aaron Boone take out Domingo Herman and Montgomery, uh, you know, in, in similar situations, not at around 80 pitches. Uh, which is where he took him out yesterday after giving up that home run. Yes, he was pitching great. Um, yes, I you know hindsight is twenty twenty. Now I'm, I was disappointed about it after it happened. In the moment, I probably am, am an advocate of the starting pitcher pitching as long as possible, seeing how good the Yankees bullpen is has been in the past during the regular season and how they've struggled when it comes to playoff time due to overuse. But uh, you know, looking back on it, it just I just don't understand his decision making. You know, sometimes he's taking them out, sometimes he's leaving them in. Maybe the analytics were saying that uh, uh, against the Nationals, um, you know, I don't know what it could, could what they could have said. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm also an advocate of not letting a starting pitcher face the lineup a third time around. Uh, and I believe that this is what happened with Herman and Kyle Schwarber took. Full advantage of that. So, uh, although I do like to see Boone have more confidence in his starting pitching, as uh, he showed yesterday with Herman, um, I definitely would like to see him make the right decision. Maybe be a little more consistent. Because although I do like the fact that he had the that he liked and showed the confidence, uh, it was the wrong decision. He gave up the lead. Uh, so there's nothing really more to be said than that. But. When you look at the hitting, definitely a disappointing day. I mean, the Nationals do have one of the best rotations in the league, although um, obviously Steven Strasburg has not been pitching at this point of the season. But overall, they get a they get a quality start from Patrick Corbin on Friday. Uh, they get another quality start from Scherzer on Saturday. Seven in, seven in the third innings, one earned runs, 14 strikeouts, uh, and then Ross... Uh, close to a quality start, five innings pitched, two earned runs, seven strikeouts on 97 pitches. So overall, I mean, the Nationals do have one of the best rotations in the league. It's no questions asked. I mean, Max Scherzer is incredible. So uh, 
it, this series really could have gone either way, you know, and, and I think that one thing that it definitely goes to show is that the Yankees do have one of the best pitching staffs when you consider the bullpen included in all of baseball. Uh, you look at the stats overall, ERA, the Yankees are fifth. Quality starts tied for sixth, so that means that the starting pitching is even starting to elevate their game. The Yankees are first in whip and fifth in batting average again, so they're top five in all of those major categories. Uh, obviously, quality starts goes to show that the starting pitching is pitching a little bit better, but ERA, whip, and batting average against goes to show how every single pitcher on the team is effective, is is pretty much effective at this point of the season, and uh, it really is, is issues with the offense. I mean, uh, 25th in batting average. 20th in slugging percentage. The Yankees are usually always top 10 to 5 in slugging percentage. Smacking home runs, hitting doubles, uh, driving runs in, and, and you know they're 21st in runs as well. So they're struggling to score runs, but uh, they are getting runners on base. They're sixth in on base percentage, uh, but unfortunately they need a instead of drawing walks, they need to start getting more hits uh, and scoring more runs. But um, as you know, as I always, as I've been saying. All of baseball has been struggling hitting the ball, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, the amount uh, of relief pitchers in the game now, and the important and the important role that they play. Uh, you know, the more pit, the more pitchers you see, the more annoying it is to hit. Uh, you you start to figure out a pitcher as you face him more and more, and then all of a sudden they yank him out of the game, new guy that you maybe never faced, and then you have to figure out an even uh, a new guy. So uh, I think that that's the reason why. Uh, all of MLB has been struggling to hit so far, uh, but it's nice to see that going up against one of the best pitching units in the league in the Washington Nationals, uh, and they do have a good bullpen as well, uh, that we were able to you know score do do the bare minimum in order to beat beat that team. I mean that team won the World Series two years ago for goodness sakes. Yes, they lost a bunch of guys, but you know their pitching as World Series. Uh, championship caliber uh so to be able to to hold the nationals offense down over the weekend other than for that one inning uh on friday night and to be able to you know get the necessary hits off the nationals when it was most necessary uh you know we hit two walk-off hits saturday and today torres and then uh, giancarlo uh goes to show that i think that things are trending in the right direction for the new york yankees that out 18 and 16 Two games above 500, and uh, they're second in the AL East, only behind the Boston Red Sox. So, uh, can't wait for you know the real summer to hit when we're sweating in the ballpark, 90 degree weather, uh, sitting there drinking a beer, watching baseball, and watching the Yankees uh, smack around other teams. I think that we're getting very close to that, and it just took a little bit of an adjustment period to get back into the the thick of things uh, for the Yankees. But I think they're headed in the right direction. And a good series win against the Nationals. Moving on to a big series now against the Tampa Bay Rays on the road. Division rival. Obviously, they they lost some guys. They're struggling a little bit. But need to take advantage uh, of this series against the Rays uh, in a place where we've been struggling heavily recently. Uh, The Yankees have not found any success in St. Pete uh, playing in that dome. So, uh, this will be a big series. It'll definitely show us where the Yankees are at at this point. Uh, if they lose this series, it's definitely disappointing and uh, will show that they definitely have more work to do. But if they win this series, I think that that shows a lot. Shows that they're headed in the right direction. Uh, you know, especially since they've been struggling so much in uh, Tropicana Field in recent years. So that's it for my for my rant on the Yankees. We got no Yankees tonight. Uh, I don't. We got no Knicks tonight. 
Uh, I don't believe that we have any Nets tonight, uh, and we have no Mets tonight, so I might not even be back with a rant tomorrow. Uh, this isn't the end of the rant, by the way. I'm going to continue on talking about the Mets, but just wanted to point out that I don't believe that there's any New York sports tonight. Not one team is playing. Uh, maybe hockey. I'm not sure, but uh, so I probably will not be back ranting tomorrow, but i uh, going to be moving on to my rant to talk about the Mets. So the Mets get a big series sweep of the Arizona Diamondbacks over the weekend. Uh, although that is the case, they're still 30th in the league in runs. That's definitely disappointing, especially when they're 4th in the league in on-base percentage, 15th in batting average. So, you know, it's really uh, – it seems to be like the like the issues for the Mets are uh, with getting extra base hits and home runs. I mean, they're 29th in slugging percentage and they're last in runs. And, you know, they don't seem to have that much issues getting on base uh, or, you know, getting hits. So the real issue is driving in those runs, getting extra base hits, hitting home runs. Uh, you know, you get some runs via the home run, whether it be one run or four runs. So, uh, you know, getting getting into the thick of things, the Mets on Friday, they walk walk it off against the Diamondbacks uh, by a score of five to four. Then they beat them on Saturday, four to two, and finally they finish off their series sweep with another four to two win. Uh, obviously, Degrom goes to the IL uh, with some side tightness, um, but it's nice to see the Mets headed in the right direction. They're obviously above five hundred right now, first place in the NL East at sixteen and thirteen. Uh, you know the NL East is very competitive this year. The Phillies one game back, eighteen and seventeen. Uh, the Braves one and a half games back, seventeen and seventeen. They obviously had a tough, uh, tough series this weekend. And then the Nationals, after losing that series to the Yankees, now are three and a half games back, last place, thirteen and seventeen. So that's probably the best last place team in baseball right now. The Washington Nationals, unless there is a. Uh, team that I'm unaware of that's in last place. I could check the standings and get back to you on that tomorrow. But uh, for now, let's uh, dissect uh, a couple of these games. So in this first game, Mets go 3 of 7 with runners in scoring position. That's pretty good. They also walk it off, uh, walk it off obviously, in the 10th inning um, on a fielder's choice ground ball. Uh, additionally, you know, they, they come back in this game. They actually go down 4-0. Uh, you know, in the third inning, uh, and then you, you catch in the third inning, Conforto, it's a single to score Lindor. Uh, in the sixth inning, VR singles, uh, and then Lindor hits a homer. Seems to be, you know, getting back to, you know, his, his status as a top player in this league. And then finally, they walk it off in the tenth inning. So, goes to show, number one, their pitching is phenomenal. Uh, obviously, struggled to start. David Peterson gets out after an inning and two-thirds, 55 pitches. Uh, but then the rest of the way, the bullpen only allows one earned run. Gesellman is giving up that one earned run in two and a thirds innings. And then you got Hunter, two innings, two hits, no runs. Uh, Barnes, an inning, no runs. Castro, an inning, no runs. Diaz, an inning, one hit, no runs. And a strikeout. Uh, Loop, an inning pitched, 1K, no runs. So, it goes to show, you know, the starting pitching struggled. At least you know that the bullpen can step up and uh, and perform, and that's what happened for the Mets, and that's something that the Mets really haven't been able to look forward to uh, in recent years. The bullpen has been the main reason for the Mets, uh, you know, struggling, honestly. Like, the pit, starting pitching has always been fine, and then, you know, the, the hitting, they have had guys when you, when you look at uh, – 
the likes of Dom Smith and Pete Alonzo and Michael Conforto and uh, and Nimmo and McNeil. I mean, they've had guys. Uh, so I really think that, I mean, and you go back even to the World Series against the Royals. They lost that World Series because of their bullpen. Their bullpen blew almost every single game that the Royals won. So uh, it's nice to be able to see that the Mets can uh, rely on their bullpen a little bit. Uh, and it seems like the hitting is getting a, a little bit better, a little more clutch. I mean, it's clutch to be able to get a to hit a walk-off, you know. Uh, obviously, clutch to hit a walk-off. Uh, something that I feel like the Yankees and the Mets haven't been able, haven't been taking advantage of this far in the season. Uh, having that runner on second base to start off the inning uh, makes it that much easier to score in the run and just win the game. Um, so nice to see that the Mets were able to do that on Friday. Uh, and then you look at the rest of the week. I mean, they only gave up uh, a combined four runs through those next two games, two runs in each of the games. Uh, so impressive, impressive performance by the Mets, you know, pitching over the weekend. You know, when you look at their pitching stats, second in ERA, uh, their ninth in quality starts. So now they're actually behind the Yankees in quality starts, but still shows that they're a top 10 uh, starting pitching, especially, uh, you know, when DeGrom is going to get back to full strength and Syndergaard will be back. And um, the guy from the Indians that I'm that I'm blanking on his name, I apologize for that. But, uh, you know, they're second in whip, seventh in batting average again. So just like the Yankees, uh, they're pitching overall when it goes, when it, right, as of right now, you know, the bullpen could implode. But when you look at starting pitching and relief pitching, it's on for both the Yankees and the Mets right now. But unfortunately, it's the hitting that's the concern. Uh, you know, 30th in runs for the Mets. So back-to-back uh, -back days, they went 4-2. to two. Um, You know, in, in this last game, they went 2 of 10 with runners in scoring position. Uh, you know, the game before that on Saturday, one for six with runners in scoring position, leaving a total of 15 runners on base between those two games. Um, a lot of their key guys not stepping up when needed. You're looking at McNeil 0 for 2, Alonzo 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position, uh, Pilar 0 for 2, McCann 0 for 1, VR 0 for 1. That's the game yesterday on Sunday. Uh, then you look at the game on Saturday, Conforto 0 for 1, Alonzo 0 for 1. Uh, McCann 0 for 1, VR 0 for 1. So uh, these guys are definitely struggling hitting-wise for the Mets, but uh, it's nice to see that they're still able to get the job done. You look at this game on Saturday, um, the, the Mets take a quick 3-0 uh, three, three lead in the third inning off a home run for McNeil, uh, and then uh, Lindor scored on a throwing error uh, by the catcher, and then you know finishing touches, Lindor uh, drives in McNeil in the seventh inning to finish it off. So obviously you need to see a little bit more McNeil. I think he, that may have been his first home run of the season. Uh, I will confirm that in a moment. No, it's his third home run of the season, but clearly the Mets are not getting those extra base hits in the way that they used to. They're 29th in the league in terms of, uh, in terms of slugging percentage. So I think that that's a concern. The Mets need to start getting extra base hits and start hitting a little more home runs you know, and that's interesting because I say the Yankees need to hit less home runs and go for more regular base hits. But right now, it seems like uh, you know the Mets are getting these regular base hits, but they can't. But they're just not hitting these home runs. Um, you know, I'm interested to look up uh, who's the home run leader by team, where the Mets uh, and the Yankees are in terms of that. But uh, you know, you look at these last two games in terms of runs of scoring position. 
it's it's not impressive. I mean, the game Sunday, two for ten with runners in scoring position, nine runners left on base. So uh, although they are getting the runners on base, they're getting hits. Um, they're not able to get those clutch hits with runners in scoring position. And, you know, sometimes, a lot of the times, those clutch hits are doubles or home runs. So they definitely have not been able to take advantage of that. But right now, the Mets are 17th in terms of total home runs. Uh, and that's, you know, even better than the Yankees. The Yankees are 24th. So uh, both teams really struggling. Uh, also, I forgot to mention for my Yankees portion of the rant that Torres, Glaber Torres, finally had his first home run yesterday. Congrats to Glaber. Hopefully good things to come. But uh, two big series win for both the Mets and the Yankees over this weekend. Uh, the Mets sweep, take sole possession of first place, and the Yankees uh, take the series from the Washington Nationals, help out the Mets and everyone else in the NL East a little bit. Uh, and uh, very excited for the rest of the season. Seems like these teams are definitely headed in the right direction. Uh, the Mets are moving on to play the Baltimore Orioles in a series at home. Uh, so should be a should be a good series. Uh, you know, good time for the Mets to take advantage uh, of a team that you know not maybe not necessarily struggling, but just isn't very good. So good opportunity for the Mets to be able to take advantage of that. Uh, and then the Yankees going up against the Rays uh, should be a good series. So exciting week. Uh, last week of the NBA season as well. So as I said before, I don't think that I'm going to be doing a rant tomorrow since there's no Yankees, Mets, Knicks, or Nets tonight. But tomorrow we got a we got a series. Uh, we got series for the Mets, the Yankees. I believe the Knicks are play, the Knicks are going to be playing the Lakers tomorrow night, and the Nets should be playing tomorrow night as also. So I'll be back to on Wednesday uh, to discuss all of that. But um, before I end my rant, just wanted to remind you guys that you can catch this podcast along with all the other Strive Sports podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can access them via the link tree in my Instagram bio at the Strive Sports. Also give Strive Sports a follow on TikTok for daily gambling advice. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it for my rant today. Love you guys. Hope I hope I see you guys in the comments. Uh, feel free to give me suggestions uh, and or if you just want to discuss any of my opinions or sports overall, feel free to DM me or comment on my videos. So uh, that's it for today. Ben Klein. Peace.